Okay, high time now for our tune of the week. Come on, let's go. This is the Media Industry Guru Show, the show that exposes you to entertainment, music, film, TV, and tech. Online 24-7-24-7. You're listening to the hottest internet station. And we're back on the Media Industry Guru Podcast. I'm super excited for this episode today. I've been waiting to connect with Ari Nisman. He is the president and CEO of Deggy Booking International and Deggy World. And to share more about his background, he got the music bug as a college student at the University of Michigan. He was exploring the sports side of the entertainment industry as well as the music side. When he was in his fraternity, he saw that the music side really stood out to him and he was able to book and manage a band during his college years, turned this whole endeavor into a business at 21 years old when he signed the band playing for the fraternity scene and that's what kind of started Deggy Booking International and Deggy Booking is now responsible for nearly 3,000 events and bookings a year this is incredible and 30 countries globally they have two separate divisions and now three due to the metaverse and digital content space and they have over 150 different entertainers, speakers. They're also one of the largest buyers in the world for the U.S. Military Department of Defense, colleges, corporations, and even he's exploring still sports, minor league baseball teams, summer camps, and more. So many of his acts that he's booked under Deggy include clients such as Pitbull, Maroon 5, Imagine Dragons, Train, the list goes on, John Legend, Charlie Puth, Florida Georgia Line, Spike Lee, Chainsmokers, Tim McGraw, and many, many more. I could go on and on for hours about how many opportunities he's gotten through his firm. So let's welcome Ari Nisman. He's going to share his life as a college student at the University of Michigan, his formation of his company, Deggy, and all the wisdom that he shares with his interns, with recent graduates who aspire to be in this business, as well as sharing his experience working in the touring side of the industry and his upcoming personal and professional goals. Hey Ari, welcome to the Media Industry Guru Podcast. Thanks for being here and super excited to learn about your endeavors in the music industry and all things about Deggy. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me and uh, look forward to answering all your questions. So if you were to describe yourself in a few sentences, kind of like an elevator pitch, what would those sentences be? Two to three sentences. Oh, if it's about me, I'm a hardworking, uh, focused, driven, lucky individual who stumbled into the right job in life that makes me happy every day. <laughs> and you got your start in the music industry, going to the University of Michigan. You were exploring the sports side of the business and the music industry. So tell us what made you dive into the music business and kind of solidify your goals rather than going into sports. I love both. And quite candidly, I think sports is still my overall love of life and passion. And so sometimes I do have a little element of regret that I didn't see it through. But after four arduous years at the University of Michigan, which is, of course, a very highly accredited institution, I think I'd had my share of, of studying. And uh, to be an agent in the sports business, you generally have to go back and get a law degree, which would have meant law school. 
in the music business, you can just stumble out of bed and become an agent. So it was the path、mm-hmm. of least resistance. <laughs> you booked one of your fraternity's bands, right? And then you became their agent, and you started a business in college. Tell us about that experience. What led you to be kind of more entrepreneurial at like nineteen, twenty-one years old? Well, I was always entrepreneurial in my spirit. I had, you know, started to run businesses while I was sixteen and seventeen years old, and so I probably knew at some point I would I would be a business owner and, and be a business for myself. But the the big band that was playing、uh, all the University of Michigan fraternities, including my own, and selling at all the bars. Uh, seemed like a first、uh, good option to try and go get, and they said no to me for about six months until、wow. they didn't have another good option, and finally <laughs>、uh, allowed me to be their manager rather than agent. Agent thing for us came probably about five or six years later, but initially we were just a management company. So I、uh, somehow convinced them that the young twenty-one-year-old that wanted to manage them was a good option, and. Uh, turned out to be a win for them and a win for me, and certainly launched my music career. And what were some of the major takeaways that you learned from that experience? And what would you、uh, kind of redo now that you're a professional who's worked in the industry for so many years? Well, I, I learned that I sucked as a manager in 1997 or whenever I started it. I certainly had no idea what I was doing, and I could, you know, fake my way through a lot of things to be. Uh, looking good and looking successful, but candidly, I didn't yet have the network and the relationships and really the business savvy that I needed、um, mm-hmm. to help elevate their career quickly.、Uh, so I learned a lot of that just on my own, without a mentor and without folks that I was relying upon. Had I done it differently, I might have gone and worked for another company for a few years to develop my contact network. My Rolodex was still just too small back then to be able to be successful. We did wind up getting that band to a record deal on the table, and other bands followed suit quickly thereafter. And we signed a whole bunch of them, including some already record label acts. So it worked, but I don't know that that same formula would have worked again if I tried it now, or would it work for somebody else back then? I don't know. Like I said, I think I had、uh, an element of luck. I think is always important to just being good at what you do.、Mm-hmm. And you also signed that band that you mentioned in college at Warner Records. So tell us about that experience. What was it like, essentially, signing away that contract and giving them a deal with a huge record label? Well, here's the irony: is they never signed the deal. So、oh. we got to a deal on the table for that act,、um, hmm. and after having some internal conversations, the lead singer. Did not feel comfortable going ahead with the deal, and we actually never signed the deal. So it was not until a、mm. couple years later that I actually signed my first record deal and my first publishing deal and my first merchandising and other deals that we did. But it was a good taste of the apple, if you will, early on. So the fact that I brought them to the brink of a potential, you know, next step to record labelness、um, mm-hmm. was, I guess, good for all of us. And I much rather, I guess, have them stepped out of the way before we got into the mix of everything. But again, it, it was one of those good learning experiences in my career that I、mm-hmm. think everybody needs, no matter what career you're in,、uh, mm-hmm. just to kind of learn the process <laughs> so that the next time around, you've got the learnings from the first one. And you also interned at a couple of different record labels in college, including Polydor and Capital. So tell us about those experiences, and then how that kind of translates to being CEO of Deggy. I'm sure there's some takeaways that you've learned and translated it 
to being CEO? Yeah, I mean, internships are really what got me interested in the music business. It sounded like a cool opportunity while I was a college student. And candidly, they tricked me because I thought I got to go to L.A. for the summer. <laughs> and as a New York, New Jersey kid to go to L.A. for the summer and intern for a record label sounded fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I must have been uh, uh, an idiot and not read it correctly because it meant just doing it in the Detroit and Ann Arbor markets where I was at school at Michigan. But putting that experience on my resume, starting to develop the network of contacts within the industry, having mm -hmm. my my internship coordinator switch from Polydor and go to Capital during the process and bring me with uh, him at the time. All of that started to kind of develop my interest in music, which kind of, as I said, took me away from going the sports route. So it, it's also what made me realize that having an internship program here at Deggy was going to be a core piece of what we do. We're lucky to have an excellent internship coordinator, Jessica Hamorski at our company. And we generally have 30 to 50 interns that come through our doors each wow. semester so mm -hmm. that we can help develop them and give their first shot the same way that my internship got my first shot. After interning in college at a couple big record labels, what did you do right after college? And then what led you to acquire Deggy Booking? Well, I was actually starting it in college at 21, as I mentioned. So there was really no acquisition. It was just waking up mm. one morning and finding an attorney from my fraternity that had enough experience to help me start a, a, an incorporated company and get going. Um, I did take a job at a major financial company called the now a big company at the time. They were a little company called Capital One. And so I went into their executive management program for a while and learned that it probably wasn't the right place for me. Not that the company wasn't great. It was fantastic and still is. It was just that I wanted to be my own boss and working for somebody else in another company was not going to lead me that direction. And mm -hmm. I also had a passion for music and starting my own business. And obviously at Capital One, I was there with somebody else and, and in a good place, but not necessarily my own. So um, it was, you know, really kind of, um, fly or sink. And I made the decision that I would leave Capital One in order to pursue 100% music business. And a lot of entrepreneurs take risks, um, launching their own business, doing a side hustle job. Tell us about any risks you took starting off your business. You mean the risk yesterday, the risk last month, the risk at the <laughs> beginning of the pandemic? I mean, as you said, <laughs> you know, really while you can be risk averse or you can be, you know, embracing of risk, I think everything you do in an entrepreneurial um, business and, and really running a company involves some level of risk almost every day you wake up and go to work. And so whether it's, you know, buying into a cruise and travel agency like we did with Ignite Cruises a few weeks ago, mm -hmm. um, whether it be at the start of the pandemic, telling my staff that we're going to be okay and we're going to find a way to be the best in the digital and the metaverse and, and things that people hadn't even embraced yet. And we were doing it in late March of 2020, right after COVID hit. You know, everything I think we do has some semblance of risk. And I think as a CEO, I just need to weigh that risk each day. And I need to look at how that fits into our core business and our strategy. Mm -hmm. And that started when I was, you know, 21 starting this company. Wow. It was a risk to, to go out and do it. It was a risk to leave a good, cushy job at Capital One. It was a risk to get into a business <laughs> I didn't know a lot about. Um, and it's still a risk here in 22 every time I make a, a decision for this company. And mm -hmm. I have to weigh all of those risks to make sure that I'm doing the right thing for our business. And it seems that you've taken a lot of successful risks. You're responsible for nearly 
booking 3,000 events a year and also like in 30 countries around the world. So tell us about just that experience. How does it feel? I bet it feels really rewarding to be able to book like thousands upon thousands globally. Yeah. I mean, look, I've had as many failures as I've probably had successes. And I think that's part of learning how to be a, a good CEO or really even anybody in the course of business. You've got to learn from your failures. You've got to learn from your mistakes. And something I encourage at our company is to take risks and make mistakes. I say it on our first day of our internship program to our new folks who are obviously tenuous and, you know, 20, 21 years old getting into their first business experience. And I'm okay, you know, honoring the failures and the mistakes that I made because they brought me to where mm -hmm. I stand both personally and professionally. Um, it, it's rewarding every time we have a successful show. Um, it's rewarding some of the specific areas that we work in, you know, to, to go to a military base somewhere overseas and be able to see our servicemen, women and families you know, you know, relax for a few hours, disengage from their normal <laughs> uh, military protocol and mm -hmm. enjoy a major artist that we brought and helped yeah. execute at their event. That's a huge win for a spring mm -hmm. fest for college students who have lost their last couple of years to the pandemic. And I can go out there this spring and see the smiles on their face and the excitement of finally being in real life with their friends again. That's an mm -hmm. emotional success beyond just a financial and business success for us. So I think those sorts of things are what drive us. And then our other areas of business, you know, I just came back from the NBA All-Star game where we wow. picked up a big consulting client over the pandemic and we turned a, a mall property of theirs that in June when, of last year when I went into it looked, you know, terrible and, and, and really run down into this destination opportunity and a beacon mm -hmm. of the NBA All-Star Game activities. That's again, a wow. personal, <laughs> emotional and financial success. So those are the things that drive me and I know it drives our staff as well. So yeah, so you still deal with the sports side of the business and the music side of the industry. You have a roster of over 150 plus entertainers, um, whether they're speakers, right, or um, music professionals. They range from a whole eclectic group of acts. So tell us what those experiences have been for you booking specific acts. Do you have like one that you lean towards initially and then like you branch out? How does that process work for those that aren't familiar with with an agent's day-to-day -day responsibilities. Yeah, well, we have a, probably a little bit of a unique agency in that we have our roster side of the agency, which are the 125 or so artists that we represent. And then we have the talent buying or middling side of the company where we're basically brokering the deal for a buyer or a client. So the 120 or so plus acts on our roster, those are our babies. Those are what we're responsible for putting you know, food on their table and paying their rent um, mm -hmm. each month. And I hold that responsibility very near and dear to, uh, to me. We take a lot of time in, in, you know, looking at those artists and making sure they're the right fit and that we believe we can do a good job for them. And then we go out there and our agents each day uh, fight the battle to fill their calendar with shows. On the other side of things, when we're middling or talent buying for a, a mm -hmm. client, that's a college, a military base, a summer camp, or a major mm -hmm. corporation that's relying on us to go get an artist that's not on our roster. So whether it's a Maroon 5 or a Blake Shelf um, or a Neon Trees or an All-American Rejects, we have to go and even mm -hmm. though we don't represent those artists, we're representing the buyer or the client side mm -hmm. and we have to negotiate, broker the deal, get the, you know, the offer out, get the offer accepted. And then we have a team in our office who's amazing, our operations team, 
which takes it from the confirmation all the way to the execution of the date. So we have two very different sides of the company, which also Mm -hmm. keep things really interesting and unique for us. So Mm -hmm. some artists we're very tied to because we have to be there are acts. And then the others are our clients who are very tied to and we (laughs) simply go and we get the acts from somewhere else. Do you have any personal or professional goals related to this? More events are emerging right now. COVID's ending. Just people want to get out and go to an event or a concert, etc. Oh, I, I hope you're right about COVID ending because <laughs> I think we're all right. We're all ready to be done with it. And it certainly has um, maligned not just our business, but uh, the world. And, and, you know, people have had too much loss as a result of it. But um, on the entertainment side, I mean, you know, my goals are, are lofty and they'll never be met because I once you know saw a commercial and the, the phrase stuck with me. But the worst time in the life of a business is the day it hits its goals. And so unless mm-hmm. you continue to reset your goals and reset your bar, then, mm-hmm. you know, once you hit your goals, you're kind of done. So we <laughs> set goals, but then we continue to reset those goals and mm-hmm. so that the bar is never met. And that so we're always striving on behalf of our clients, on behalf mm-hmm. of our artists and on behalf of all the businesses that we do. You know, we, we, we've got a core business and our core business is entertainment. And now anytime we can make a deal, an acquisition, a partnership that is Mm-hmm. Um, synergistic off of our core, you know, uh, entertainment values. And anytime we can make a deal that's accretive and makes sense for the company, um, it's my job as the CEO and sitting in the C-suite to go out and make those deals so that I can continue to grow all the elements of our business. One piece is growing up. The other part is growing out and then up with it. Mm-hmm. And so we need to continue to become a multifaceted, diverse company. If the Mm -hmm. pandemic taught me anything, I thought when we went into COVID, we were diverse. And what I mean by that is we work in military and summer camps and corporate Mm -hmm. special event and colleges and these other areas, but it was all in live entertainment. And when when live entertainment went in the crapper, when COVID hit, I wasn't as diverse as I thought I was. Just being Mm -hmm. diverse in booking was not enough. And so the consulting company and the travel agency and cruise company and our deal with a company called Ticket, the ticketing world and our metaverse and Deggy world, all of those new diverse moves and the pivots that we made are starting to make us a much mm-hmm. more robust and diverse company. And have a lot of your clients, I know you said shifted to kind of a digital world. Probably a lot of your clients have even like created like Twitch live stream events, right? Have you gone into that like digital content? in live stream space? Yeah, so we, we looked at when the pandemic hit, we obviously had to look at every sort of virtual opportunity that was out there. Um, and, you know, we've produced events that have been on Twitch and, and even on Vimeo and YouTube and as uh, dummy down as they used to be on Facebook. <laughs> um, and we've even done shows in Zoom plenty of times or Teams. Um, fact is, is that we wanted to have the best delivery method possible. And so we worked with a company called FanFX to to deliver a product called the FanFX platform. It was built by them and by us. Mm -hmm. And we probably put several hundred artists through that platform since. Um, So that was a massive, you know, get up and go product for us, especially for our college clients and some of our corporate clients that wanted to digitize events, but doing it in a better way and a Mm -hmm. better audio and video concept than Zoom or the others were. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, our metaverse and a deal that we did with a co- great company called Verbella and Event Farm. And we work with them to build a metaverse before meta and metaverse were even known and cool. <laughs> 
we were doing those events in June of 2020 and probably took care of about 150, mm-hmm. 200 events since wow. then. So things like that really allowed us to get good at digital and virtual very quickly. And really at the end of the day, running events is running events. So we had such great experience with our staff and our team who stayed up sleepless nights to leave, learn this stuff. They already know how to run events. They just had to take the concepts and apply it in the virtual world. Mm-hmm. And it allowed us to be able to do that very quickly and effectively. And then you said you became more eclectic, right? Switching to a digital space. You also, I'm assuming you cover a lot of um, the music industries headed towards like a tech space. So you covered tech probably in booking right as well yeah i mean you know we 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 always try to become you know the next big thing and adopt the next big tech uh, pieces that can help our business and be synergetic with what we do so whether that's learning a new platform that's out there or digital delivery opportunity me talking with other ceos of of you know tech companies or um yesterday i was on uh with a, a great new digital label um, that uh, Rusty Harmon and his team have created uh, through ADN Warner Brothers. I mean, so we're, we're always looking at where we can attach our things to the tech and the virtual world. Um, at the end of the day, we're a great entertainment and booking agency. And so we're not going to get ahead of our skis. We're going to make sure that whatever relationship we get involved with, you know, is synergetic with our business model and what we're good at. And if we aren't, then I need to make a deal if we're going to do it to have the people in place and the staff that I believe can run it effectively and be successful. But we're always going to look at what new technology can affect the things that we do. And we're even doing that internally. We've just committed a very high price figure to upgrade our systems and get more automated and creative and even more data and analytical about the decisions that we make with booking and entertainment. And so we've made a big investment here in 22 that our CTO has helped us get involved with. So those are the things that we do to try and be better with tech each day. This podcast is basically to educate others, especially college students, recent grads, people in their late teens, um, to kind of figure out their craft within the entertainment space. So what advice could you give to someone that aspires to either be an agent or work in the music business? Because breaking into an agency can be tough, but it can also be one of the best learning experiences in the business. Yeah, well, we don't have enough time and even a 30-minute podcast to, to <laughs> give all the learnings off to the college students that I love to educate and see develop the same way I was in that spot 20-plus mm-hmm. um, years ago. But I would say the first thing is developing your network and your contact base. There was a really shrewd young person that came to me during the pandemic and asked me for a Zoom meeting. No reason given, but they just wanted to spend some time and ask some questions. What I found out from that individual is that person spent every day doing a minimum of five Zoom meetings with professionals in the music business to ask questions and to learn and not to be transactional and ask for something, but just Mm -hmm. so that they develop their contact database so that they can go to that person down the road and say, we spoke face to face Mm -hmm. on a virtual call and I wanted to make sure I had you in my database. And so I think developing that network, which some people say is your net worth and developing your contact Mm -hmm. database is huge. Being able to say thank you to those folks that you meet with and do business with or interview with, even if you don't get what you want out of that situation, goes a huge and long way. That's a little bit old school, but when (laughs) I used to interview or I used to go to a meeting and I still do it today, 
I say thank you and I appreciate them regardless if they gave me what I was looking for out of that transaction or that meeting. I, I think honesty and ethics are critical. You will be tempted during the course of your career, and I have been many a times, to be able to go earn the extra nickel by maybe going the dicey way of doing it or by stepping on somebody so that you think you can get a little bit further along. And I think those folks that, you know, while there are some times you have to make tough decisions, I think if you keep your ethics and, you know, people trust you and they appreciate you and, and you know, you give that back to them, then those are people that are going to be with you throughout the course of your career. So those yeah. are some of the stalwart <laughs> types of recommendations that I give to college students. But really, there's so much that I yeah. wish <laughs> that I, I, I the 47 year old Ari wishes he can go back and teach the 22-year-old Ari when I started this whole thing, all of these learnings, and I'd probably be a, a real superstar. But I've learned these over time. And I think every college student, again, you're going to make mistakes. It's just keeping your core values the right way. Um, I think those are things that not only in your business life, but also in your personal life, when you have kids and a family, that you can say you did it the right way and you go to teach them and you can really stand behind those. Those are critical things that I keep with me. Yeah, really excellent tips. Thank you for sharing. Sending a thank you via email, a note, a text. It just makes an impact on the person personally and professionally just across the board. It creates a good impact. It's old school, but it's <laughs> the way I roll. I did it last week. I got out of that NBA event. and Every person that impacted me as part of that entire event, I made sure to thank them because I won't be successful unless those working with me, for me, next to me, mm-hmm. ahead of me, you know, unless they're successful too, they make me good. And so I think you need to go out and thank those people for doing so. To wrap things up, any exciting events that you're booking, um, whether it's the military, for camps, for schools, or artists in general? Well, we're, we're doing thousands of, of, <laughs> of fun and exciting things every day. Um, we're making our first um, cruises next week with the CPC, the College Party Cruise, my uh, partner David and I are going out on a couple of weeks of cruises. Um, you know, some people say I'm crazy to cruise during a pandemic, that I'm crazy to acquire a company that has cruises during the pandemic and then yet to do it with college students. Um, <laughs> but as they are your core audience, I contest that if you go to, um, Miami South Beach or, or wherever South Padre and mm-hmm. you're left in an Airbnb with lots of people and drinking and things, It's not as safe as actually going on a cruise ship where you've got security and safety Mm -hmm. and entertainment and events. So Mm -hmm. we're going on spring break next week with the college party cruise. People should look it up. And we've got our consulting business that's flying and our metaverse going well and our deal with Ticket, uh, T-I-K-K-I-T, which is a great new company for college Mm -hmm. students to have ticketing. So lots of amazing things going on, lots of bookings and military and college. So uh, really, the company couldn't be in a better position, which is why we're still hiring. And we're always looking for good people, good interns. And uh, candidly, we're looking for good deals that we can make (laughs) out there to make the company even bigger. Well, awesome. Thank you, Ari, for being on the Media Industry Guru Podcast, wishing you all great success professionally as you fan globally across the U.S., as well as your family. I know you have two twins. Congratulations on all your accolades and achievements and best of luck for the upcoming year and those cruises that you have acquired. I appreciate it. I'm a lucky man. Great job with this podcast. I look forward to uh, spend more time with you in the future. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Media Industry Guru podcast. Check out the Instagram at Media Industry Guru for all the details on the latest and 
coolest, I mean coolest upcoming episodes that you will hear. Email at mediaindustryguru-podcast at gmail.com for any other interviews that you would like to hear or if you would like to be on the air and give a little promo or talk about yourself or just even chat with me because you know I'm I'm doing this. I'm invested in this. And tune in weekly 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays on the Anchor app, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Breaker, and many more streaming platforms. Thanks again for all of the support and peace out and let's rock and roll.